Happy Friday. It's April 22nd, 2016. It's Earth Day. Happy Earth Day, everyone. This is Travelog, the podcast of Condé Nast Traveler. I hope you caught our special global Earth Day Snapchat this morning. Um, we're at CN Traveler on Snapchat, and it'll still be live through tomorrow morning, but we were celebrating Earth Day in a special way on Snapchat. Check it out. I'm here today with Jaina Maleri, who's a podcast producer and our digital style editor, and Mara Balaktas from our fashion team. And we have a special guest today, Jonathan Irish, who's a photographer and a blogger. He's got a special project going on right now that is relevant to what we're talking about today. So um, why don't we get right into it? The topic for this week is road tripping. We have the summer season coming up. It's planning time right now. In fact, in many of these cases, like with national parks, which we'll talk some about, if you're not planning this, if you haven't kind of got your planning underway, you're probably in a little bit of trouble. Um, We've got some stuff on the site to help you out with that. This year is more special than usual. There's a lot of things coming together this year, including perhaps most prominently the 100th anniversary of the national park system. The actual anniversary itself, I think, is on August 25th, but there are celebrations all year long. We're covering it all year long. It's also, I believe, the 85th anniversary of Airstream, which was started in 1931. And gas prices are expected to be the lowest in 12 years. They're going to go down to $2 a gallon. They're expected to go down to $2 a gallon, roughly. And so a lot of people are going to be out there on the road. And we thought we would talk about that before it gets too late. So, Jonathan, I think maybe since you kind of have this project going on, maybe it's great to start with you. Tell us about yourself. Who's Jonathan Irish? <laughs> Jonathan Irish is a, uh, a photographer. So I've been um, shooting photography for quite a long time. I'm uh, represented by National Geographic. And the project that I'm doing right now is a... Uh, is are, you, a are you a nature photographer, like an outdoor photographer? Yeah. What do you, what do you normally shoot? You're outdoor Geo, so. travel, outdoor travel and adventure. So I and like to be outdoors. Uh, right now in an Airstream trailer oh, traveling no. through the okay. country. Okay, all right. Um, but originally from Washington, D.C. So okay. I was at the Nat Geo headquarters for eight years and now left to do this crazy road trip. So tell us about the crazy road trip. This epic, crazy road trip. Sometimes we think we're kind of crazy to to be doing this, but it basically in 50 two weeks, we are visiting all 59 national parks in the United States. Now, that's including the Virgin Islands uh, National Parks, all the way up to Alaska, and, uh, you know, American Samoa National Park and the Hawaii Parks, but all the continental, you know, U.S. as well. So, a crazy project to to uh, embark on. If you do the math, 59 parks, 52 weeks, that's about one every six days, Yeah, which is a tough, a tough thing to actually do. Yeah. Physically, um, physically. it must be hard. Well, physically. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can road trip to a park and see the park, but as a photographer, it's a lot different to to get there and to actually dig in and get some great images that are worthy of sharing for Nat Geo and other places as well. So it's a tough project. We're about three and a half or four months in mm-hmm. on the project now. And I would be lying to say if I wasn't exactly just exhausted at this point. Well, you don't look at, you look great. You look <laughs> like you look refreshed. You look rested. It, it doesn't seem like it's wearing on you that much. Well, I tell you, I'm, uh, I've been in nature for three and a half months now and I just came into New York 
And uh, it's a different kind of jungle here than the what I've been used to for the last uh, three and a half months. Now, was this was this something that Nat Geo came up with, or was this your idea? This was my idea, and it came about from wanting to to celebrate the parks. You know, I grew up loving the national parks. I've shot in a lot of them. Probably about half of the parks I've been to before. And the anniversary really was an opportunity to to take a step back and go to every park and celebrate those parks during the centennial anniversary of the park service. So it was my idea, but Nachio and Airstream and Fujifilm and other sponsor of ours all really supported it and, and got on. Was it fifty nine? Was it all fifty nine parks from the beginning? Yeah. So you th- yeah. you went big. Went big from the very beginning. And and I tell you what, I had no idea if it's even really possible. To be honest, we were trying to had this goal to say, oh, let's do this, and um, had no idea if we could actually do it. But um, it's been great, and I'm tired. But the experiences we've had thus far in the small town, and I say we because I'm traveling with my partner, Stephanie. She's a, you know, a great writer, and also she helps support on it as well. And um, and so we've had these amazing experiences. I mean, we just hiked to the bottom of the Grand Canyon, did the rim to rim. It's just incredible. Thus how far. long were you guys in the planning of this? Like, how, how long did it take to get it together? Probably about a year. I mean, we, we were talking about it for a year before we actually, so early 2015 is when we started thinking about, we can do this. Let's go do this. And then it took about a year to really kind of logistically plan it out and figure it out. The logistics phase of this, it's fascinating in itself. I could talk probably for hours about it. I mean, seasonality-wise, how you get to each park and how close they are to each other and places that you have to be. I mean, it was all basically planned around Alaska in July because there's absolutely no way you can't be in Alaska in like July. And so we worked backwards from there and forwards from from that. And some parks you can't be in perfect seasonality. It's just not possible. So we started in the winter and hit some northern parks in the winter, which was snowy and but still fun. And what we're finding is that um, not surprisingly, that every park is really special. Parks that we never even heard of, like Cuyahoga Valley, um, Congaree in South Carolina, these parks that, um, you know, everyone knows the Yellowstones, the Yosemites, mm-hmm. But a lot of people don't know about those other parks, the smaller parks, the less visited ones. And they're all blowing our minds. And I'm, you know, I say that as a lover of outdoors, but they all really are special. And not surprisingly, they were elevated to a national park status for reasons. And so that's kind of one of the really fun parts about it is that we're discovering some of the parks that we didn't know and really experiencing them and having just a blast. Now, where did you guys start? What was the first park you went to? Uh, Everglades National Park in uh, the and south. And that was because so it was in, in January? In January. Yeah. So we started in Everglades and worked up from the southeast. Um, Everglades. I didn't even know Everglades was a was a national park. Oh, yeah. And that's so funny. And I've so, been many, there. so many people don't like So many people say, I didn't know that was a national park. Or, or that um, I've heard a lot of people uh, say, oh, I can't wait for you to go to such and such national park, which actually isn't a national park oftentimes. So um, that's just one of the parts of the of the project is getting to discover all these places. But we started in Everglades and then Biscayne National Park and then Dry Tortugas, which was one of our favorite places. It's just amazing not to play favorites, but that was a really special one. And then, um, you know, tough job. We had to go to the Virgin Islands mm-hmm. National mm-hmm. Park, which was uh, awesome. And then we kind of worked our way up 
from the the east, so Congaree and Hot Springs. What was Congaree like? Congaree was, you know, we we weren't expecting that much when we when we were going up there. It was like, uh, you know, you hear that it's a swamp, so you're like, what is a swamp? A national park? That's a swamp, but. We had the place almost to ourselves because it was like flood season. So we, we put on these muck boots and like hiked for like the entire day through this water and these old trees that are just beautiful. It was it was such a surprise of a park. We weren't expecting much and we walked away being like, that was awesome. It is it so close cool. to the coast in South Carolina or is it no, inland? No, it's inland. It's, it's inland. inland. It's, it's hard to get to. I mean, it's not an easy place to get to. It's kind of in the middle of the state, and you just, like, drive, and you're like, there's a national park coming up here. And then you get there, and it's like, wow, this is really cool. So are you – do you guys plan activities in each of the places, or does it sort of like some of them you can do and some of them you just sort of wave at it because you got to get going? We have such little amount of time in each park that um, – we have to plan ahead. I mean, we're constantly planning the next park. We're constantly thinking about what we want to shoot. I mean, we, you know, we have to just dig in really quick, but we also have to think quite far ahead to make those plans. So, And so you mentioned Airstream. You're picking up, as I understand it, an Airstream trailer now. Yeah. And what have you been in so far? We've been in um, this beautiful 27 foot international signature it's called it's um it's a classic airstream brand new 2016 you can't believe how beautiful this thing is uh, it's like the home away from home i think this project we couldn't pull this off without this home base of an airstream um you know it's where we go to make food it's it's where we work it's where our computers are at it's where we connect to internet it's a critical piece of making this project work that we otherwise couldn't do but we've been in this uh 27 foot uh which is a monster we're first time rvers i mean we haven't ever driven an RV before, and here we're living an entire year in an RV, um, which has been a new experience for us, but really fun experience. I mean, when we're away from it right now, I'm in New York, and I miss it, you know? It's like, <laughs> it's like my home. Yeah. Like, where's my home? Um, you can't just pull it up on West Street and park it outside? <laughs> I actually asked them if we could, but uh, uh, permit issues, I guess, or whatever. But um, If you called it a food truck, it would be okay. Yeah, maybe we'll if just sell some tacos out back and, yeah. or something. Uh, so we uh, we flew to New York here to pick up the Pendleton, which is the next one. So we're going to go to Acadia National Park with the Pendleton. And this thing is amazing. I, I've, uh, I've been in it before. I've seen photos of it. I've not driven it at all. But the thing I'm looking most forward to the Pendleton is that you can, you know, in the back it has this seating area where we tend to do our work. And the uh, the entire back opens up. So if you're, mm. you know, imagine if you're camping out, what they call boondocking. You might be familiar with boondocking. I don't know. But it's when you're kind of camping off the grid and not hooked up to electricity. So you're in a, a beautiful place and you're just boondocking in um, in a national park or actually you can't usually boondock in a national park outside of the state parks or just outside of the parks. You can open up the entire back, and it's just like you're, you're sitting there working, and there's you know birds flying around. And it's like a deck. It's like a deck. 
It's like a, the biggest window that you can open in, a, in an RV. So this is not insignificant. Like one of the reasons I wanted to have you on here is specifically, I mean, A, this is a fascinating trip that you're doing, mm-hmm. but you're doing it in, in an Airstream. And in August of this year, I'm going to be taking a similar trip to you as with my family and my, like my brother's family and all this, recreating this family trip yeah. that my wife took when she was you know, about seven years old, taking our kid for the 100th anniversary. And I wanted to find out from you some of that firsthand knowledge of what it's like to actually go to these parks in the Airstream. Like, what, yeah. what's this traveling experience like? Um, what prepare me for this? <laughs> well, expect the unexpected. Uh, <laughs> you know, the... Uh, the I'm going to be out west. You, you've just been out west, right? Yeah, we were in Joshua Tree and okay. Zion and Grand Canyon. Yep. We were just yep. out there visiting some, some amazing parks. Where do you actually park the thing? Like, I'm going to the Grand Canyon, I'm going to Zion. Where do you actually park the thing when you're out there? Well, if you don't need Wi-Fi, I would suggest actually being in the parks and staying at the park ramp, campgrounds. Part of our okay. project is actually being um, connected quite a bit that we have to kind of upload images. But if you can get away from that, and I highly suggest you try to if you can, um, park it in the campgrounds, in the the National Park campgrounds. They're amazing, and they're right at, you can access the nature and the trails right there. So highly suggested that you try that if if Wi-Fi and cell service, which is the whole reason you're supposed to be in the parks, is, is not necessary. Get in there. Right. Okay. Get in there. Okay, great. And what about what about carrying your food and cooking on this thing? I'm going to be on it for two weeks. So it, like, you know, it's it's like being at home. Really? I mean, does the how big is the airstream? That, the you know, 23 foot. 23 foot. Is what it, we're gonna it's a, it's amazing. You you'll have a almost it's not a full refrigerator, but you'll have a big refrigerator. We have coffee pots. We have stoves. You can bake a pie if you wanted to in this thing. It's like, you know, it's like the most... My uh, wife is a fairly serious home cook. Like, is that going to be... she going to be okay? She can whip it up, like, all day, no day tomorrow. It's it's amazing. We grill a lot. So I have, like, a okay. little portable grill. I would say take a grill and, uh, you know, put it on the picnic table and just, you know, grill some meat and, you know, you can whip up some some rice or whatever veggies inside or grill the veggies it's it's not unlike the most glorious camping experience you could have had so it's like being at home but being outdoors but one of the things that i'm nervous about with this is i drive but i don't drive a lot and i don't drive trucks yeah you have to drive a truck in front of this thing and this is something i've never done how is it getting used to that i'll never forget the first time pulling away with this thing i'm what did i just get myself into this thing is uh it's quite big, but I think the beauty of the Airstream is that it tracks really well. What does um, that mean? Well, the term Airstream means the air, like, <laughs> you know, flows over it really easily. It's aerodynamic. And it's aerodynamic. And, like, so there's times where we're driving. You, the thing is you, you can't drive that fast, you know. You, you tend to drive 60 miles an hour or okay. so. That's that's one thing. You're just not going to be flying 80 miles an hour. And does that slow you down? Like how? It does. You have to take that into account if you're, you know, on a project that means you have to travel very far, very fast. Yeah. Um, so that's hard for us. But it tracks super well. You know, you just have to know that you have to take a little bit extra time slowing down because there's, <laughs> there's a lot of weight. Good point. And you have to turn wide. Like the trucks, you know, you yeah. see on the back of the trucks, it says, we make wide turns. So you have to uh, uh, slow down ahead of time and steer really wide on the turns. And other than that, it, it's not really that known other than the gas 
you know, mileage, which tends to go down a bit from pulling a 8,000 pound. Monster. Oh my God. Is yeah. that how much it weighs? Uh, I think it's about 7,300, I think is the one, wow. but yours is going to actually be a little bit less than that. Cause we have uh, one that's a little bit bigger, but it doesn't feel like it's big back there. So <laughs> I, I would not say that it's a, it's a, a, a big difference to be honest. How many days before you felt like I got this, this is, I'm fine. That's a good question. Like, am I gonna, is, is that just never going to happen for me? Or, or by like day three, I'll be like, okay, it's fine. I think you'll know when it's fine when you're comfortable with trucks passing you. That's the big thing, right? Because uh-huh. uh, the trucks displace a lot of wind. And that airstream, you're a big, you're a big traveling uh, machine, and those trucks are big traveling machines. And the time I think where I like I was like, I got this. This is no problem. Was when I was like, ah, oh, here comes a truck. Whatever, you know, blow me around a little bit, and it's like. You just deal with it because it's not that bad, to be honest. It's always worse than it seems, I will say. And this is an important point because it, it all— It seems worse than it is or it's worse than it, it seems? It all it seems worse than it is. Okay. So it always feels like you're going to get blown around a little bit, and then you just keep going, and it's like, oh, that was nothing. So it feels like you're just about to be out of control, but you're not. You never are. Cool. It's a weird feeling. Cool. When you get used to that feeling, and that might be a week or a month— I think, but whenever you're used to that feeling, that's when you know you're you're all right. And what's been your favorite thing about this trip so far? I would say those uh, undiscovered moments, those parks where you're just like, you know, I expect Yellowstone, Yosemite Glacier, these parks to be amazing. But um, there's been so many aspects to it. I would say the first thing that comes to my mind is that the unexpected parks that blew us away were really a joy to discover. We've connected with a lot of the park service rangers, and they've been so welcoming and and showing us and teaching us about the parks that we've made great friends. I mean, in Hot Springs, Arkansas, the rangers just opened the world to us, and we were like eating barbecue with them and just chatting with them. And we're still they still follow our project to this day, and uh, we've met so many people too. I mean, it's like the parks naturally. Are cool places and people who are in them are naturally happy I would say so we're exploring so much and oftentimes we're on trails by ourselves just hiking but a lot of the time we're meeting just such cool people rangers the people in the parks it's just a it's just a cool experience now what's been the hardest thing so far the digital editing after shooting 8,000 photos in Joshua Tree oh, wow. um, that part has taken more time than I guess I expected. It's one thing to, to go into a park and, and shoot a lot and, and experience the park, but then, you know, usually you have a few weeks to kind of catch up from that heavy-duty kind of digging in and shooting. There's no catch-up time. There's never—that's probably the hardest thing I would say is just there's no catch-up time on a project like this. It's like— as fun as it is and as great as it sounds, there's times where we're just like, I don't want to edit tonight. I want to like just lay in bed and after a 10, we just did a 10 mile uh, hike up to about 11,000 feet in Great Basin. It's like, I just want to like relax tonight. Like it was a hard hike. It was up at elevation and I would love to just relax. No, you can't do that. So that's been hard, but um, woe is us, right? We're, right. we're like, we're in the national parks just having such a, a fun time that we don't take it for granted for a minute. And what of the stuff that's coming up in front of you are you most excited about? Everything. I mean, I'll say it this way. I think some of the parks that we hit 
initially, and I love the Everglades and a lot of the parks, but we're now getting into like a lot of the really like just amazing parks, the really spectacular ones. Uh, Channel Islands is coming up for us, Yosemite, Sequoia, and then we head into Alaska where I absolutely love. I love Alaska. I've been there a few times. And uh, I can't wait to see, like, the brown bears feeding on the salmon and just getting out to some of these parks that, like, there's a park in Alaska called Kobuk Valley, which I never knew existed. And it's in the middle of nowhere. And I think probably, like, 100 people get to it a year. And um, and we're going there. Can you so, drive to it or do you not, have to? You have to fly. You have to fly. Yeah. So it's uh, it's far off the grid. Amazing. Far off the grid. So maybe now, I think now's a good time to talk about this notion of the road trip, you know, particularly the American road trip in, in, in the national imagination. Um, you know, there's a huge history of this. It's something that we kind of see as part of our spiritual heritage in a way, would you guys say? Like, that's something very American about the road trip? I think so. Yeah, yeah definitely. definitely. Why do you guys think that is? What is it about about us that, that makes this thing resonate so hard? It's a way that you can actually experience America that, you know, in other places you sort of, I mean, I guess you can, but it's sort of trickier. Like America is like doable <laughs> in a way. Like in the French imagination, there's no like, I'm going to drive across France. Right. right. Like and experience it that way. Well, I also think that the U.S. was, you know, we were really brought up on automotive culture and you know, we have so many great automakers here who came from Detroit and just like everybody grew up on automobiles. So I think everyone just has that way of getting around. And that's how they look out to see the whole country is through a car. Yeah. It's kind of like in a, in a good way and in a bad way. It's how the country came about. It's like one giant, horrific, wonderful road trip across, you know, mm -hmm. a continent. Right. This notion of the continent is also sort of weirdly hardwired into the American imagination. And we have such a history, too, of sort of, there's such a literary history of it. I mean, it's so, it's been so romanticized. When I decided after my freshman year in college to drive cross country, it was like heavily influenced by, you know, like Jack Kerouac and Gary Snyder and, yeah. you know, like yeah. all of the beats. Yeah. Uh, I would second that. I mean, there's so much nostalgia with like Route 66. We were just mm -hmm. we were just there with Route 66. And, you know, you could see the old lane where some, it doesn't really exist anymore in the way that uh, it used to. In some parts it does. But you could see where the, the lane used to be in the, the road. And it's like so many people drove down that as like their family vacation back in, you know, the 50s and 60s. It's such a nostalgic way to to travel in, in the States as well. Have all of, have, have, has everybody here done a cross-country road trip? I have not done a cross-country road trip, but I've gone from New York to Florida, which is a the other way. Vertical, <laughs> yes, you've done the vertical road trip. And I've done that actually quite a few times. I feel like I actually grew up on road trips a, probably every other month. My older brother, he went to school in Florida, so every other month my parents would pull me and my younger brother out of school and we would go on a road trip to Florida. And that's, you know, over a thousand miles. We would do it in a few days. We would stop at relatives' houses on the way. And, you know, it was just such a great way yeah. to go from place to place. And I definitely think that's where my love of road trips has stemmed from. Yeah, I think for a lot of us, it's like the first form of travel that we take. Mm -hmm. I can remember that when I was like, I don't even know how old I was, but way, way back. It was literally the first time I ever left town was to go on a trip 
uh, like a two-day road trip from North Carolina to Florida with my mother and my mm-hmm. brother. And it's like, it still stays with me to this day. It was car, it was on, cars getting on the road, it was driving down mm-hmm. 95. It's like this thing that seems very, very much a part of my childhood. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was the first time, it was <laughs> maybe the only time that I actively defied my father was to go on the road trip, the cross-country trip that I went on. He really didn't want me to go. He felt like I was too young. I was going with my boyfriend. He really didn't like that. Yeah. <laughs> and But then I remember like very clearly calling him. It took until I think we got, we left, grew up in Connecticut, and it was like, it took until we got to Chicago, I think. That day, that call, my dad said, I'm really happy that you're doing this. I mean, it's interesting that, that it happened at that time of your life because there's also something transformative or transitional about the road trip in the American imagination? For me, it was definitely because, and even, especially that sort of piece of it, you know, saying I'm going to do what I want to do. It felt like this very much this first step into adulthood. And it came off of on the heels of my first year being in college and being away from my family. And so you're sort of like dipping a toe into adulthood. And this felt like putting a foot in it where I was like, I'm going to do this. And, and I hadn't experienced any other part of the middle of the United States. And so it was my first time seeing all of those places. And um, it felt very sort of transformative. And it's one thing that I, you know, I have younger cousins and one of them was sort of toying with the idea. And I was like sort of begging him to do it because I just felt like it was so important to me. And I think about it, like I think about the time when we were in like White Sands, New Mexico, I think about it all the time, mm-hmm. almost. And it's been, you know, a lot of years, but there are certain places that just felt really magical. And I'm really glad that I was there, like at the age that I was there. Well, it is very, the the country is kind of amazing. And Jonathan, you were talking about this mm-hmm. a little, you can certainly see this in the parks, but the differences in the geographies that you go through when you go across the country or even Mara, like north to south, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's dramatic. It's you super know? dramatic. And if you grew up on the East Coast or you grew up in the Northeast or whatever and you haven't been to those places, mm-hmm. the first time you go through the American West or even the Midwest, you know, even like Kansas, Nebraska, like it's so different. It's so different. It's amazing. It's so, so beautiful. I remember getting to South Dakota and being in the Badlands and being, I mean, just... I still sort of don't have the words for it because it was so alien to me and is also just sort of like an alien landscape in general, but it just felt so sort of enormous. And I had never experienced anything like that in New England, you know, it's sort of enormity of it. And like people talk about like, you know, like big sky, but it really is such a real powerful thing. Oh God, I remember going into Utah and I don't, I was driving on, I think 80 at the time, like to go across and it felt like I was on the moon. There was just all of a sudden things were so wacky and yeah. so different. Mm-hmm. It, it literally just blew my mind. And then you get into Wyoming and you're sort of like, you know, it, it really felt like the West at that point. Right. Like I'm driving by like th- things that look like things in movies, right. you know, which that w- had, was the only place I ever I had ever experienced them up until that point. And the drama of it and the sort of majesty of it is real. You know, I, I remember a storm and like I was driving through Nebraska and there was a storm that came over and it just sort of like the, the, the hugeness of the sky and the drama of the, the flatness of the landscape created this amazing drama that will I'll never forget it. And I do think that there's something about awakening to the geographic diversity of the country that does feel like getting in touch with the country and its vastness in a, in a very unique way. Mara, you, do, you were just out west, 
right? Yes, I was. I was just in California last weekend. And where were you? I um, was in Santa Monica, and I was actually taking a road trip to Coachella in Indio. So um, it takes about two and a half hours to get there, but I opted for a little bit of a longer route, um, more of a scenic route down Highway 74 and, you know, coming through the desert and all of that type of scenery, which was really beautiful. And it was it was so amazing. I've never been to that part of Southern California before, and it was just such a great experience to just get there and drive around and find the routes that kind of take you to your ultimate destination, but the journey is just the most important and beautiful part. 74, is that an old road or is it a new road? What's the, what, what is it like? 74, it's, so it's a scenic route going through kind of Palm Springs, Palm okay. Desert area, and it, it takes you up and through all of the mountain passes and through all the rock formations. Sounds great. Which was, it was amazing. It was just, it was like being on another planet. Yeah. There's, it's completely desolate and it, it feels like Mars almost. And Coachella, how was that? Coachella was fun. It was my first time out there, so it was quite the experience. <laughs> Did you go to the actual? Did you go to the actual uh, festival? I did. Okay. Yeah. Great. So yeah. I saw a lot of good performers, but it was definitely an experience being out there. Yeah. What are you know? We've covered a bunch of different things about road trips recently um, in the last year or so. What are some of the tips that we give to people about road tripping? What are some of the secrets of road tripping or ways to make it go smoothly that we can? give to people? I think one of the things is just to tell people, to, and we were talking about this, Mara, earlier, mm -hmm. just even just telling people to road trip. I think, you know, and this was something that I didn't even sort of think about, and I don't know why I didn't, but I remember one of the first times going on a trip outside of the country with my now husband, and we were going to Iceland, and you know, when we got there, he just, it was just, he was like, of course, we're just going to rent a car, and we're going to drive around and for some reason I just I had never done it outside of the country and it just seemed like I don't know like something that, like I said that I wouldn't have thought it seemed like too difficult or something to sort of take that on and it isn't and it was totally easy and it was extraordinary and it was you know one of again it was one of those sort of best trips and it's also a super insane landscape and yeah. really really to t it's, it's a great thing to do in a car it's a great country to experience if you can drive around it. And I think it was sort of eye-opening, just that like, oh yeah, we should be renting <laughs> cars in places that are so beautiful like this and driving around. And I think that some people sort of don't feel that way. Yeah. And I, I completely agree with Jaina because I am a huge advocate for cars and for driving. A lot of people here like to call me our unofficial car editor because I am are. so into <laughs> automotive and motorsports. Um, but I think renting in a car, renting a car, especially in another country, and being able to drive yourself around and explore is so freeing, and it kind of takes you from that place where you're not being a tourist, where you're going on a bus tour or a train tour or whatever, and it puts you in the community with the locals, and you know you can. I recently was in Paris, and I was like, you know what? I've never driven in Paris before but I'm gonna rent a car and drive two hours for an off-season visit to Le Mans. And it was so funny the first time that I drove through Paris because especially the roundabout, like around the Arc de Triomphe, everybody comes out from every single street and just oh rushes the was, Arc yeah. and gets into a traffic jam, but then somehow 
it's like complete chaos, but then it works somehow. And I have never had like more fun than driving around the Arc de Triomphe in like the chaos of all the traffic. That's it was terrifying. it was completely it me. was completely amazing, and I loved it, and it was so awesome. It was one of the best driving experiences I've had. Have you ever been, Jonathan, have you ever been on a road trip outside of the United States? Yeah, yeah. It was just, you were just conjuring uh, memories from my, from, I'll never forget being in Northern Ireland and picking up a car and driving in Northern Ireland. Um, I was like, yeah, I'm going to get a really nice car. So I got like this BMW rental car and it was like this convertible white BMW. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Until I realized they drive on the other side of the road <laughs> and it was stick. So I had to shift with my left hand. Oh my God. And I I almost killed people like the first day. It was just a mess. I mean, I was. Mara, you did that recently. (laughs) I did. I was driving on the other side of the road in Cape Town, and it was it was kind of scary because the the whole time I was driving, I was like, "Please don't drive on the other side of the road. Please don't drive." But by by day two, I was like. You know, yeah. like just flying, shifting beautifully, exactly. and now I like am as comfortable on the left hand side of the road as I am You're on the amb- right. I'm in by But a lot of people, that's the fear that keeps them from exploring yeah. a place in a different country because, you know, you drive on the different side of the road or whatever. But I think when you get it down the second day, it's just it's so freeing, and it allows you to see a place so much more differently yeah. than you would on a tour. I've driven in a lot of foreign countries and a lot of different places and I would say some people should not actually drive (laughs) and rent cars. I'll never forget when I was like in in Europe, in uh, England and my family like rented a car and my dad, I swear, by the third time he hit the curb in the roundabout, I was like, you're out that I'm driving. Uh, It just wasn't going to happen. So not everyone should drive. Not everyone. Most people challenge yourself. Yes. If you hit curbs, stop. Yeah. <laughs> um, is there a road trip outside of the United States that you would recommend to people? Oh, there's so many different. Um, it, Europe is an amazing place to rent a car. And I think a lot of people um, tend to take the trains in Europe. And I would say uh, take the train, sure, but rent a car because they're like just like in America, getting off the highways and getting off the main thoroughfares in in the states in europe it's incredible i mean you can get to some amazing places and all those little towns i mean if you're in france and you're taking trains that's great but you should rent a car because there's so many small little towns and you you can just stop and say wow this town's amazing i'm just going to stop and you know stay here so i i would say anywhere in europe is a good road tripping destination um, I've driven in Chile, which was awesome. I was an assignment for Nat Geo down in Chile and um, not speaking any Spanish, really. It was a, it was a bit of an issue, but not, not probably my favorite road trip destination, but, um, and probably not Africa either. I mean, Africa is a, a crazy place and um, some places in Africa, I guess you could do. But uh, anywhere in, in Europe, I would say rent a car and get off the main roads. Yeah, I drove we rented it was i don't even know if you call it a car it was sort of more like a dune buggy it had no doors <laughs> and no top um, but we rented it in i was with friends because i studied abroad in italy and so we rented it in sicily and um we were actually able to drive pretty far up mount etna and it was one of the best drives awesome. that i ever took and it was just also like to be driving um it was really beautiful and it was right 
around, I think it was Easter weekend. Um, so I think I, we, I remember we sort of drove through this like lemon grove and it was, there was so much citrus that you could really, really smell it in the air. So it's a beautiful day. And so we drove through that and then we headed up the mountain. And because it was Easter, there were all these families and they were outside and they were picnicking, you know, they were all sort of like roasting lamb. And it was just this like sensory overload. I had never experienced anything like it. And you could drive really, really far up the mountain. Um, and it was incredible. Yeah. I would do three really quick ones. One, I would say if you can rent a car in Tuscany, like and drive through, from Florence to anywhere in the center or maybe drive from Rome through through Tuscany to Florence or through Siena, whichever. But get out into the countryside because it's amazing and it's beautiful. And depending on the time of year that you're there, there's going to be all kinds of sensory stuff going on yeah. as well. Um, and it's not it's not difficult to do and you can stop at little towns everywhere that you go. You can get up into the mountain towns much more easily that way. Um, and um, it's going to be it's, – it's just an amazing place to do that. And then also I'd say in Spain, if I, we drove from Madrid to Barcelona and drove through the, the, the Spanish countryside and it was beautiful and amazing and surprising in, in ways similar to parts of the American West but not the same. And so I think that's worth doing as well. Like the, the, the legendary sort of landscape of Spain is really something to see. And then the last one I, I would say that I think is a little bit more cliched but still absolutely worth doing for the same – reasons that you were just describing, Jaina, which is to drive through um, Provence and to just rent a car and get on the small roads. And it's for that same reason. It's like drive through the sort of pine forest. I can remember the overwhelming, yeah. I mean, yes, it's visually beautiful, but the smells were amazing and the lavender and all of the different things that just sort of come through the windows when you go, th when you kind of just go slow in the little car and let, let the air kind of, ha let the world kind of happen to mm -hmm. you. Those were all um, kind of amazing. Those are good ones. I'll have one. I have one more to add that yeah. you just con you just you know triggered my memory. Yeah. One of the best road trips, I think, um, I've ever done was renting a car in uh, Ljubljana, Slovenia, oh, wow. and driving from Slovenia down through the coast of Croatia to mm. Dubrovnik. I wow. mean, that Slovenia is right next to northern Italy, and um, hardly any people know about Slovenia, but yet it's one of the most beautiful well, you think of all the the food and the terror and like all the you know different wine even wine and um everything you can get in northern italy you can get in slovenia for half the price and it's just amazing and hardly anyone goes there and then the croatian coast is one of the most beautiful the adriatic is just unbelievable so that that was one of a my more memorable road trips. is it as is it as daring as like amalfi it's it's such uh, Slovenia. They speak better English than a lot of Americans. It's amazing. I think people think of you know Europe and, and Eastern Europe or parts of Eastern Europe, but that it's so hard to get to and so hard to travel in. And it was so easy to do. You go there and everyone speaks English. You run a car. It's on the same side of the but road. But the driving, the roads. Like, have you been? Have you driven in Amalfi? No, I've never driven in. Like Amalfi. it's it. The Amalfi coast is is beautiful, but it's terrifying twisty. because it's super twisty yeah. and like crazy you know buses yeah. going here and there and it's, it's not like that it's not like that the the, the 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 coast along croatia is just beautiful and it's not really twisty and turny it's not um uh the, the mountains are kind of more inland so you're really hugging the coast the whole way and i think when you say dubrovnik what you really mean is king's landing 
because this is Game of Thrones season premiere <laughs> weekend. Sunday, right? Sunday. I've been out of Are touch, you going, man. What do you I, do about that? In the airstream on the road. Someday we'll talk about the entire tech side of airstream oh, again. God, maybe, we maybe we might have to do that because we've learned so many lessons about how to get good Wi-Fi, Netflix, how to stream Netflix on the monitors in the airstream. And, oh, and uh, yes, I was not aware that Game Game of Thrones was starting again until I just recently <laughs> got in our hotel and there's the Game of Thrones season. I'm like, oh my gosh, we can't. You got to put it on pause. Put the trip on pause uh, every uh, Sunday to watch HBO now. <laughs> it's, it's true. We love Game of Thrones, so we're excited for that. All right. Uh, oh, come to the site this weekend for some very special Game of Thrones uh, action. We can't, we can't reveal it yet, can we? Nope. Nope. Okay. Can't reveal it yet. <laughs> Jana says no. All right. Um, don't forget to visit us at cntraveler.com. We are at Condé Nast Traveler on Facebook and YouTube and CN Traveler on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat. When we go around, Jonathan, tell folks how they can follow your trip and just get in touch with you generally. Yeah, that's great. We, we have a project website. Um, it's called thegreatestroadtrip.com, which is uh, – um, Anyway, it's called The Greatest Road Trip. So www.thegreatestroadtrip.com. That's that's where we're posting all of our updates. It's also on National Geographic. So it's natgeo.com slash 59 and 52. Cool. And so those are the two ways. We, we update pretty much every four or five days, um, hopefully, uh, weekly, if not four or five days. So that's where all the images and stories and video and time lapse and all the crazy stuff that we're shooting and experiencing. So... Um, yeah, Instagram is another way too. I'm uh, I'm on Instagram, Jonathan Irish. If you search, that's an easy way to to find me. Cool, Mara. Uh, you can find you me at? on Instagram and Twitter, and it's at Mara Philly, M A R A F I L I. And I'll be on a road trip next week in Northern California. So where are you going? I am going to Wine Country. So I'm taking a little Napa, t- Sonoma. By Napa. By Napa. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you're going to be posting. Yes. Of so course. everybody check her out at Marafili. Jaina. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at JW Malari. And on Snapchat, I am at Jaina Malari. Great. Thanks. And I am at Bradrick. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in and have a great weekend.